Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 27 of They Walk Among Us a podcast dedicated to UK true crime. Listener caution is advised, as this episode contains adult themes and descriptions that some listeners may find distressing. Basil and Avril Leitner's day was filled with happiness. They watched their eldest daughter get married and they spent the early evening at the reception in a marquee tent in their back garden. When they waved their daughter and new son-in-law off on their honeymoon, they had no idea a stranger was watching too. The Leitner's dream day was about to turn into their worst nightmare. Basil Leitner a 59-year-old solicitor, and his wife Avril, a 55-year-old doctor, owned a large house in the well-heeled village of Doran, Sheffield, located on the edge of the picturesque Peak District. At 11.15pm on October 22, 1983, after a hectic day celebrating the wedding of their eldest daughter Suzanne, the couple and their two youngest children Richard and Nicola just wanted to go to bed. 28-year-old Richard Leitner was a barrister and his 18-year-old sister Nicola was a student at a secretarial college. The reception ran from 4pm to 8pm and afterwards Basil, Avril and Richard went out for dinner with family members. Nicola stayed at home as she was feeling unwell. The marquee was still set up in the garden. Plates of half-eaten food and champagne bottles were strewn across the tables. Staff would be coming tomorrow to clean up. As Avril and Basil slept in separate bedrooms, 
Avril retired to her room downstairs, while Basil, Richard and Nicola all went to their respective bedrooms upstairs. Nicola had been a bridesmaid at the wedding, so she took off her floral dress, put it on a coat hanger, and hung it on the bedroom door as the other three members of the family also got ready for bed. The lateners began to drift off to sleep, unaware that someone else was in the house. That someone was escaped prisoner Arthur Hutchinson. Arthur Hutchinson was born in Hartlepool in February 1941. Both Arthur and his sister Brenda were illegitimate children of Louise Reardon and the family's lodger. Louise claimed to be part of a rich French family, but they disowned her when she married Cuthbert Reardon, who she had met while he was on holiday in France. Despite the fact that having children out of wedlock was frowned upon in the 1940s, Louise made no secret of Arthur's heritage, giving him both the first and last name of his biological father. Six of his siblings... Tom, Dino, Olga, Pat, Amelia and Margaret were older and fathered by Louise's husband who worked as a local miner. His siblings used this against him in fights and arguments and his mother Louise later said, I had five girls and they made life hell for Arthur. They called him a bastard, which was true. Louise and Arthur Hutchinson Sr. lived together until Arthur moved into a nursing home. Louise claims her son Arthur was a normal child until the age of four. She said he got up speed on his bicycle and ploughed headfirst into a lamppost. As a result, he spent three days in a coma. He had a fractured skull and caught meningitis while he was there. After that, his mother saw a change in his personality. Temper tantrums and violent outbursts were frequent and sometimes without warning. At seven... Enraged, he stabbed one of his sisters with a pair of scissors. His half-brother Dino reared and said of Arthur as a boy, he was backwards, you see. Everybody used to take the mickey out of him. He was trying to prove something all the time. Louise Reardon called her son a little angel. She would stand by him at every point in his life, no matter what he did. This became a bone of contention with her other children, who felt like Arthur was a favourite. Though not an academic, he preferred more physical activities. He took up karate and eventually gained his black belt. He made a point to keep fit and stay in shape. At just 11 years old, Arthur Hutchinson made his first court appearance. He was accused of sexual assault. It was the start of a pattern that continued throughout his teens. Arthur gained employment as a farmhand near his home. He would make fellow workers feel uneasy when he was often seen in the town out of working hours holding a large wooden stick. Arthur Hutchinson would attend court almost 20 times before his 18th birthday. Sometimes the charges were for petty theft or fighting, but four related to having sex with girls under the age of 16. By the time Arthur was 18, a young girl he was sleeping with, Margaret Dover, became pregnant. The pair decided that getting married was the right thing to do, so the teens tied the knot. The daughter Maureen was born and Arthur got a job as a milkman. Inexperienced with handling money, his debts grew and Arthur resorted to stealing his colleagues' wages. His marriage lasted three years before it came to an end. Only a year later, now a man in the eyes of the law, Arthur would serve time after being charged with unlawful sexual intercourse. 
He moved back to his mother's house and soon was joined by his teenage girlfriend, Patricia. Their relationship dissolved as soon as their son, Philip, was born. Patricia left moving back home and taking her son with her. Arthur's mother, Louise, was quick to shift the blame away from her son. She said he was maybe the happiest at this time. That is all he ever wanted, you know. A good woman, a family and a home of his own. But nearly all the women in his life have let him down. In 1968, a few years after his release, he met his second wife, 18-year-old Han Law, during a Christmas party at the Buxted Chicken Factory where they both worked. She later described how they met. He just stood and watched me for two hours without saying a word. I was with my friends and it made me blush to see him looking at me all the time. He was obviously much older than me and I suppose it flattered me to be admired from a distance like that. Eventually he came over and asked me to dance and I was with him for the rest of the evening. He said all the right things and treated me good. Five months later they were married but much like his first marriage it wasn't to last. Anne Law spoke to the press about their time together. I knew he was a flirt but I didn't take it seriously at first. Then after about a year I discovered he was meeting some woman. If she was the first, she was the first of several. Arthur Hutchinson was abusive, cruel and violent. He would regularly beat and rape his wife. His outbursts were unpredictable and severe. He was unfaithful and didn't hide it. And Law said he used to boast about his conquests. Anything could provoke him, sometimes nothing. His violence didn't just extend to his partners. His ex-wife spoke of another incident she witnessed. She said... I once saw him knock his mother out of a rocking chair halfway across the room for nothing at all. Any man who could do that must have a split personality. The day Han Law found the courage to leave, Arthur Hutchinson brutally beat her in the street. In his late thirties, Arthur Hutchinson was sentenced to five and a half years in prison. His ferocious temper saw him arrested and charged with the attempted murder of his half-brother Dino Reardon. Arthur obtained a shotgun which police later found and he freely admitted that he intended on shooting his brother. Arthur Hutchinson was released when he was 42. While still in his cell, he kept a cutting from a newspaper about a woman who lived in a village in Yorkshire who had received a large divorce settlement. Not long after his release, Arthur met a woman who had recently divorced and had a 19-year-old daughter. The relationship collapsed when he wanted them to move in with him at his mother's council house on Kelso Grove in Hartlepool. His mother Louise refused, so the couple planned on buying their own home. Arthur needed money. He thought back to the news clippings he found in prison and the divorcee he received a substantial settlement. Arthur travelled to Yorkshire, broke into a home and laid in wait. When she arrived, the victim was robbed, viciously raped and beaten. The crime was reported to the police and thankfully it wasn't long before Arthur Hutchinson was arrested and charged. He was held at Armley Jail in Leeds until sentencing. On the morning of September 28, 1983, Arthur Hutchinson was taken to Selby Police Station in North Yorkshire for sentencing. The courthouse was in the same building as the police station. Arthur was to face multiple charges, including rape, theft and burglary. 
The station was understaffed, with just one policeman weeks from retirement who kept an eye on the morning's admissions. Arthur asked to use the toilet. From this point on, accounts differ. Some say he smashed the toilet window, others say he made it into a courtroom, jumped over the railing and threw himself out of a window to escape. Either way, the outcome was the same. Arthur severely injured his knee on some glass from a broken window before scaling a 12-foot tall wall topped with barbed wire. Despite getting his clothes caught in the barbs, he managed to free himself landing on a parked van below. He did his best to blend in with the crowds of people going about their business in Selby. While bleeding from the wound on his knee, he ran for miles before almost collapsing. He dragged himself into a dense thorny bush to stay hidden from the helicopters circling above. Arthur waited until nightfall and then left his hiding place. He claimed to have spent the next four days only consuming dandelion roots and vegetables until the injury on his knee was too much to take. He knew he needed medical attention, so he took the risky decision of going to Doncaster Hospital. Arthur entered the accident and emergency room in torn, dirty clothes stained with blood. Unbelievably, no questions were asked. He was treated, and then he left. He claims that he wandered through secluded fields and woodlands, only travelling at night. It was later discovered that much of his time was spent moving between towns and cities on foot, following railway routes, and sometimes brazenly taking public transport before resurfacing in door a month later. Maybe it was the wedding celebration that attracted him at first, or the possibility of food and drink. Of the 250 guests enjoyed the day, they were being watched by Arthur Hutchinson. The happy couple were waved off before the last of the guests left. The Leitners were now alone and free to go to bed. As they drifted off to sleep, there was no way they could have known an escaped convict was in their house. Arthur Hutchinson softly walked up the stairs. He went towards a door with a bridesmaid's dress hanging from it. Arthur assumed that this bedroom belonged to the bridesmaid. As he opened the door, he realised he was mistaken. Lying in bed was 28-year-old Richard Leitner. Now awake but caught off guard, he let out two screams before Arthur stabbed him. Arthur ran to a neighbouring bedroom. It belonged to 18-year-old Nicola. She had heard the commotion from the room next door, but she was too petrified to move. Basil Leitner had been awoken by the sound of his son's screams, so ran across the landing to Richard's room. Arthur Hutchinson was standing in his way. An argument between Basil and the intruder ensued. Nicola could hear Ray's voices, followed by a gurgling sound. Then silence, before the sound of someone walking down the stairs. Nicola could hear a mother shouting, take it and leave, before the house fell silent once again. A short while later she heard the sound of footsteps coming upstairs to her bedroom. The horror of this night was far from over. Arthur told her to turn on the light. His t-shirt was covered in blood and he was still holding a knife. He said, scream and I'll kill you. Nicola was brutally raped three times. Arthur took her from her bedroom to the marquee downstairs, covering her head so she couldn't see what he had done to her father. Arthur Hutchinson left the traumatised teenager tied up in her bedroom during the early hours of the morning. His parting words, Take care, don't suffocate yourself. Nicola Leitner remained bound, unsure of what had happened to her family. 
By 10am, two people who owned the marquee arrived to take it down. Within about 10 minutes, they heard cries from upstairs of what they took to be a child. One thought the voice said, Dad, no daddy. After a while, they went to see where the noise was coming from. As the marquee owners walked through the house, following the cries, they came across Avril Leitner and then her son Richard before finding Nicola. They called the police immediately. Officers were confronted with some of the most disturbing scenes of their careers. Avril Leitner's injuries were vast and excessive. The autopsy showed she had put up a fight and been stabbed 26 times. Money and jewellery surrounded her body. Many of her wounds were defensive where she had attempted to grab the knife from her attacker. A wound to the heart and one to the jugular were both fatal. Her son Richard was found in his bedroom. The young man lay half out of bed as if trying to get up. Stabbed twice in the chest, he died clutching his wounds. Basil Leitner laid near the stairs with two stab wounds to his throat and one to the back. Nicola's foot was covered in her father's blood. She had inadvertently stepped in it when she was being led down the stairs. The surviving member of the Leitner family was extremely traumatised and had to be sedated, but not before giving police a good description of the culprit. Evidence was collected, including fingerprints on a champagne bottle and a block of cheese, which looked to have been partially eaten, had a prominent bite mark. The Leitner's house had been full of family, friends and staff for Suzanne's wedding, so detectives would have to interview around 400 witnesses, but as luck would have it, they received a call from the West Yorkshire police. They'd heard about the triple murder and seen a description of the attacker. Believing him to be a criminal that had escaped from police custody a month earlier, South Yorkshire police were sent his fingerprints and his mugshot. Comparing his prints to the one on the champagne bottle, detectives identified the killer, but now they just had to find him. The press published a number of pictures of Arthur Hutchinson, along with a warning not to approach him. A description was also released, which explained he could be using the alias Arthur Reardon. He was 5 foot 8 or 9, slimly built with dark hair, blue eyes and a ruddy complexion. Police today renewed their search of land near the murder house in case Hutchinson is lying low in a secret foxhole. The officers think the fitness fanatic and karate black belt could be living rough. Tonight, 5,000 wanted posters printed by a Sheffield newspaper are being circulated nationwide. Police say the picture on them shows Hutchinson as a man looking much younger than his 42 years. The triple murder has cast a shadow of fear over the quiet village of Dor where the Leitners lived. It's an exclusive Sheffield suburb, housing some of the city's top business and professional people, the last place you'd expect such a killing. The detective leading the investigation spoke to the press and described the sort of man Arthur Hutchinson was. Hutchinson has a very violent background. He's obviously uh, a very dangerous man at the present time and he may well still be armed uh, with a weapon, the knife, that he would, had in his possession at the time he committed these offences. And I, I would advise anyone not to approach this man, but if there's any possible sighting of him to use the emergency uh, telephone network, the 999 system and ring the police. A number of local residents were also interviewed and asked for their thoughts about a killer being on the loose. I think people are just scared to come out at the moment. Absolutely, you know, overwhelmed really with uh, horror really, you know, and, uh, and very worried too about people going out at night and uh, so on. 
I mean, I have uh, piano pupils, and I'm very much aware that they, you know, when they go out and they leave me, make sure that they're going to be all right. Frail, after suffering a stroke and severe asthma attacks, 78-year-old Louise Reardon appealed to her son to give himself up. She pleaded, It just can't be him. I know him too well, and he couldn't do anything as bad as that. He hates the sight of blood, and has always done so. He would never do this sort of thing, even if we were desperate. He's not that bad. For God's sake, Arthur, give yourself up. Otherwise, this will be the death of me. I just can't stand it any more. I just want him to give himself up and put an end to it. After the attack, Arthur Hutchinson fled to a guest house only 22 miles away in Worksop and stayed there for two days. He went jogging and chatted to other guests who noted nothing out of the ordinary. He left bandages in his room, but they were disposed of with other rubbish before the owner of the guest house knew who he was. Owner Glenis Widowson said he left wearing smart attire consisting of a dark blue velvet jacket, a blue shirt with grey trousers. His sportswear while jogging consisted of a turquoise tracksuit with blue or grey trainers. Basil Leitner's second cousin was a Tory councillor in Sheffield and was extremely vocal in the press. He requested an urgent inquiry be carried out to understand how it was possible Arthur Hutchinson escaped and had been on the run for so long. He also voiced his concerns about the 200 escapees that were loose in the United Kingdom at that particular time. While on the run, Arthur Hutchinson made a number of calls to the Yorkshire Post newspaper. In one instance, he telephoned around 3.45pm on Sunday, October 30th, a week after the murders. In the short call, he said he would call back an hour later. True to his word, he called back from a phone box in Selby, North Yorkshire, and asked if the conversation was being recorded. Arthur continued after he was told it was. He claimed not to have left the area of Selby after escaping, in turn denying he was responsible for killing the Leitners. He claimed to have visited Doncaster four times in the near five weeks since his escape, and each time he walked the journey. He also denied that he had been in Worksop. He said he had been living off vegetables stolen from allotments and neighbouring gardens, travelling by night and sleeping by day. Disturbingly, Arthur said he would not leave the area until he did what he needed to do. Arthur was referring to the woman he raped and robbed. As the attack hadn't been publicised in the press and details were only known by police, Arthur provided the victim's name to confirm his identity. He said, I'm not going to give myself up. I'm wanting to get my hands on, he names the victim. He said, I'm going to get it sorted out. I'm after, again, he gives the victim's name. She's the woman I'm after, no one else. I'm going to get it sorted out. Arthur Hutchinson was aware of the location of his intended victim, so she was given 24-hour police protection, though she wasn't the only person being watched by the police for their own protection. Ex-girlfriends of Dino Reardon and anyone who had a personal grievance with Arthur was put under surveillance. But Arthur's mother Louise was watched for a different reason entirely. Police strongly believed he would try and make it back to his mother's. During his last night on the run, Arthur stayed at a small guest house near Darlington. He registered under the name John Smith, but changed his appearance and used an Irish accent. The owner had received a visit from police only a couple of days before he arrived, warning them of the fugitive and his crimes. She was shown a poster of Arthur, 
but the man who checked in a couple of days later seemed to bear no resemblance to the man police were after. She said he chatted and joked and drank with other guests, even joined in a discussion about mass killer Dennis Nielsen. I was shattered when the truth was known. I had nightmares about what could have happened. Arthur told other guests he was there because he had a row with his wife and was giving her a few days to cool off. A new description of the fugitive was circulated on the news. Police who have been taking hundreds of calls from people who think they've seen Hutchinson now say he's changed his appearance. He's apparently dyed his hair a golden or ginger colour and he could be wearing round metal tinted glasses. After the appeal, police received a tip-off notifying them that Arthur stayed at a guest house near Darlington. He'd reserved the room for a couple of days and police found a tape recorder in his room with a tape cassette inside. Arthur had recorded a message which was 5 minutes and 24 seconds long. It refers to his escape and a transistor radio he had in his possession which he used to keep tabs on the police. Determined to feed his own nickname to the press, he referred to himself as the Fox. In the recording, Arthur said, Arthur Hutchinson, 190241, known as the Fox because of my cunning ways. On the 28th, Wednesday, September, I held myself through an upper window, crashing into a barbed wire net, ripping my legs to pieces. But up I got, kept on running for four miles, four miles before I collapsed. I stayed in the bushes for four hours, and then I see the helicopter hunt. So I drag myself into the gutter, crawl along the gutter and force myself into bramble bushes, and stayed there until it got dark. Arthur Hutchinson explained that after receiving treatment at a hospital, he set off again. He said, as long as I've got strength in my legs, I'll run. Because I was able to get this tape recorder transistor, I've been able to listen to everything that's been going on. Where they have been waiting for me, where they have been looking for me, so I know exactly which way to head to get out of the way of them. Like cat and mouse, or should I say fox on the trot. I'm making no comments on the triple killings. Let the police do what they want, I'm saying now. Arthur went on to add, Maybe I'm a bit daft in the head like people think I am. Let them think what they want, I'm still free. And that's the main fucking thing. Arthur continued, People think I'm mad. I don't think so. I'm just trying to get back to the woman that I love. The next day, Arthur was spotted sneaking around the fields in Hartlepool. He was trying to make his way to his mother's home. Police had been monitoring the calls to her address and identified that someone had made a call from a phone box nearby. In no time at all, hundreds of police officers scoured the countryside trying to capture the fugitive. He was seen hiding in some hedgerows, then moved like lightning, running across a field in the direction of his mother's. Police dogs chased after him, and in no time they found him, keeping Arthur pinned down until the officers caught up. After his arrest, Arthur Hutchinson continued to protest his innocence, despite the substantial amount of evidence against him. A bloodstain that had seeped through some of his bandages onto Nicola Leitner's bed was tested and found to be a rare blood type identified in only 50,000 of the UK's population at the time. Teeth marks matching Arthur's dental impressions were found in a block of cheese in the fridge and Arthur's fingerprints were discovered on champagne bottles at the scene. Additionally, Avril Leitner's £3,500 diamond watch was discovered in his possession.
the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50% to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist. To find out if it's right for you. The nine-day trial began on September 4, 1984 at Durham Crown Court. Arthur Hutchinson was charged with three counts of murder, rape and aggravated burglary. The jury had been chosen, but before the proceedings were underway, Nicola Leitner received some difficult news. Up until this point, she had not been named in the press. This was due to the Sexual Offences Amendment Act at the time. The Act prevented the press reporting the names of both the victim and the perpetrator in rape cases. Gavin Barr-Young, counsel for the Sheffield Newspaper Group, requested the information be made public. In his request, he explained the information should be put forward because it posed a substantial and unreasonable burden in investigating the case. He thought the murders and the rape were inexplicably linked. Judge Mr Justice McNeil permitted the request, therefore making Nicola Leitner's name officially known to the public. The judge responded, I'm strong in the view that it is in the public's interest that the restrictions should be removed. I do so because in my view, the restrictions imposed are a substantial and unreasonable obstruction to a fair report. 
Nicola Leitner took to the stand and bravely recounted the horrific events of the night, step by step from her sister's wedding to the brutal attack. She said at one point, I just wanted to die. He started talking to me like I was his girlfriend and I made him think I wasn't frightened. She said Arthur Hutchinson confessed to her that he was on the run and he said that he used to hide in holes in the ground. He said a second man was in the house and they had been drinking champagne. Arthur admitted to taking money and jewellery and warned her not to go into her brother's bedroom as it wasn't a nice sight. Unfortunately, Nicola's time on the stand wasn't over and it was only going to get worse. Under cross-examination, the now 19-year-old firmly denied the allegations that she consented to sex with Arthur Hutchinson. James Stewart QC, working on behalf of the defence, asked why she chose to stay at home on the evening of the wedding instead of joining her family for a meal. She said she had not been feeling well, but the defence suggested Nicola had stayed at home as she had arranged to meet Arthur Hutchinson. Nicola firmly replied, No, that's stupid. She was questioned about what she liked to do in the evening. She responded that she went to pubs and nightclubs in Sheffield's town centre and to discos held at the Student Union Bar. James Stewart QC asked her if she considered herself the black sheep of the family. She replied, Yes, sometimes, but only because I was the only one who didn't go to university and that sort of thing. Nicola Leitner denied meeting Arthur Hutchinson in a pub on October 21st, 1983, which was the Friday before the wedding, and she also denied leaving the back patio doors on the latch to let him in. She denied the persistent accusations of inviting him back to her home and to leaving him a bottle of champagne. She spoke a clear no in response to all of the questions posed to her. Nicola managed to remain calm and still responded with a no when it was put to her that she had taken Arthur Hutchinson to her bedroom, danced with him, kissed him and had consensual sex with him. The questions kept coming but Nicola calmly explained she was raped three times, once in the marquee and twice in her bedroom. She agreed there was a stage where she made it appear to Arthur Hutchinson that she was a willing participant because she feared for her life and didn't want to die. James Stewart QC again asked if she consented to the sexual attacks. The teenager finally broke down and sobbed into her hands and said, I want to go home. The judge asked her if she needed a break, but Nicola fought back the tears and said she would continue. Unbelievably, Nicola was handed a spotted tie, the same one that had been used to bind her, and she was told to tie herself up. Nicola Leitner understandably refused. Arthur Hutchinson took to the stand on September 11th, and he was closely guarded by a number of police officers. He claimed, on the night that the three members of the Leitner family were murdered, Nicola had let him into the home and led him upstairs to her bedroom. They listened to music and not long after they began kissing then got undressed. He said, It was with her consent. We did it three times. His barrister asked him, Did you kill Basil Leitner? To which Arthur Hutchinson replied, No. Did you kill Richard Leitner? Once again Arthur said no. Did you rape Nicola Leitner? Arthur Hutchinson responded no. Did you have sexual intercourse with Nicola Leitner? 
The defendant replied, yes, but with her consent. Arthur Hutchinson then went on to detail his version of events where he met Nicola on the Friday before the murders. He explained that he had been in a pub and saw three girls standing at a crowded bar. He tapped one on the shoulder to make his way through the crowd to get a drink. He said he asked the girls if all men in Sheffield were puffs because he saw only girls at the bar and no men. They laughed and said no, it was a hen party. After speaking to them for a time, he claimed the three teenagers were called Sharon, Nikki and Gail. Arthur said, Nikki asked me if I wanted to go to a wedding reception. She said her parents would be going out after the do, about 8.30 to 8.45. He claimed he responded, Don't you think I'm a bit out of your age group, pet? And her friend Sharon said, Don't be a spoil sport. She will be waiting for you. Arthur went on to add that Nicola gave him her address and what number buses to take, though he couldn't recall the route. He explained he arrived at the Leitner's home in the afternoon to get his bearings and see where the house was. He said, I went back at night, about 9, 9.30. Went through the marquee on a side entrance. That is where I was told to go by Nikki herself on Friday night. She said she would have something for us in the marquee. There were two full bottles of champagne and two or three half full ones. Arthur then apparently helped himself to a drink and planned to find Nicola. He continued, the first thing I heard was sliding doors and she was standing there. She said, oh, you've arrived. And I said yes. Arthur apparently told her he had been in a parked car outside the front of the house waiting for a family to leave. He asked Nicola if there were any sandwiches left, to which she replied there was some chicken in the fridge. He said, I followed her into the kitchen and ate some of the chicken and cheese. I asked where the furniture was and she said it had been stored away. Arthur then claimed she led him to the bedroom. I followed her up, he said. I was sitting on a bed at first listening to some tape she put on. When the music was on, we talked, but she pulled me off of the bed to dance a bit. We danced in a fashion, but I'm a bit too old for that sort of thing. Arthur told the court that when the music slowed down, they kissed. The barrister interjected. Did she respond? Arthur Hutchinson replied, Oh yes. We got undressed and got on the bed, on top of the bed, and then we had sex. It was definitely with her consent. Arthur claimed they had intercourse three times that evening, but after the first, he said Nicola produced a small bag. He said she opened it and there was some white powder in it. She rolled a piece of paper up and sniffed it up her nose. She asked me to as well, but I refused. After she got on top of me, she banged my leg and I told her to be careful. Arthur Hutchinson told the court his knee must have bled onto the bed, that's why his blood was found on the sheets. In his version of events, he said after they had sex they just cuddled each other and he asked why she didn't have a boyfriend. She apparently responded, saying he had just finished with her. James Stewart QC asked Arthur whether he entered Avril or Richard Leitner's bedroom. He denied going in either and claimed he left the home sometime between 10.45pm to 11.10pm. He said he made his way to the woods nearby before spending the night in a greenhouse located about 400 yards from the Leitner's home. Arthur was quizzed why he didn't return to the guest house he had already paid for. He explained there was another guest at the hotel that kept looking at him so he was afraid he would get recognised. He claimed the only knowledge he had of the murders was what he had read in the papers. 
the knife he was caught with when he was arrested had only been purchased the day before in case the dogs got him. He said, I knew there was a hunt going on for me. I'd been following it in the papers. I didn't give myself up because of my previous offences. He admitted that the bag of belongings police retrieved from the guest house was his, along with a tape recording he had made. There was a short break in the court proceedings as the jury were trying to process Arthur Hutchinson's claims. After Arthur made his way back to the dock, he threw a curveball not even the defence saw coming. He claimed in the early hours of October 23, 1983, he was woken from his slumber in the greenhouse by a noise at the Leitner's home. He apparently made his way back to the property to find Nicola covered in blood, saying, We killed them. He said he grabbed two champagne bottles as weapons and went into the house. He saw Basil Leitner on the stairs. Arthur said, He was staring at me, not face down. I thought he was dead. The prosecution responded, Wasn't that the stare from your nightmares after killing Mr. Leitner? Arthur responded quietly, it's false. Arthur claimed he then comforted the hysterical Nicola for 20 minutes after the perpetrator had fled the house. When asked if he knew the identity of the man he saw, he pointed to the press gallery in the courtroom. He gestured towards Mike Barron, a staff reporter for the Sunday Mirror newspaper. Arthur now claimed he remembered seeing Mike Barron in a pub with the Leitners a few nights before the murders. The entire courtroom was in utter disbelief. After Arthur's claim, the court proceedings came to a close and would resume the next day. On the seventh day of the trial, reporter Mike Barron was asked not to sit with the other journalists before he was interviewed by the defence. Mike Barron told the court he was over 140 miles away in Tyneside at the time of the killings. That day, he wrote a story on a local milkman and in the evening he spent time with his wife and friends at a dinner party a few doors down from his home. He said that he had only visited Sheffield three times in his life, once in 1976, once in 1978, and the last time six weeks before the trial. He labelled Arthur Hutchinson's allegations as preposterous. Arthur Hutchinson was familiar with Mike Barron, as he had given his mother Louise flowers and chocolates, and drove her to visit her son in prison before the trial. When Arthur was questioned about why it was the first time he had implicated Mike Barron, he said he was avoiding it. He claimed to have written to the police while in prison to tell them he believed Mike Barron was trying to kill him. On the final day of the trial, two separate doctor's reports were summarised by the judge. Arthur Hutchinson was described as confident, arrogant and self-centred. It was noted that his story changed daily. After all the evidence was presented, a jury of six men and six women took four hours to reach a decision. The whole courtroom fell silent and Arthur Hutchinson was motionless in the dock as the foreman gave the jury's unanimous verdict for each charge. Guilty. For his crimes, Arthur Hutchinson received a life sentence. Judge Mr. Justice McNeil addressed the defendant. You have a severe personality disorder, which is not amenable to any treatment. For those reasons, and in the public interest, that is why I recommend a minimum of 18 years. The judge said, that will ensure you will be over 60 years of age once that sentence is served. 
Detective Superintendent Terry Stewart, who headed the investigation, praised Nicola Lehner, saying she had been subjected to all sorts of malicious gossip and rumour and had been totally vindicated. No one that I have known has gone through such a horrific experience, come out of it alive and then been able to stand up in court and give evidence. The detective superintendent went on to comment about Arthur Hutchinson. Anyone who could commit three murders like that in such a short time has to be considered extremely dangerous. Arthur Hutchinson's mother, Louise Reardon, in her late 70s at the time, spoke from her home. What have I done to deserve this? I am never going to believe that he did it. I can never think that he did it. He is gone from me forever. I can't see him anymore. I can't see him after this. I don't want to see him anymore. What am I going to do now? I'm an invalid. I can't do nothing for myself. So where are we now? Nicola Leitner lived with her aunt a couple of miles away from her previous home after the murder of her parents and brother. The day after she gave evidence, she left to go to the south of France until the trial was over. Arthur Hutchinson put in an appeal almost immediately after the trial. It was heard and subsequently rejected ten months later. Arthur was notified by the Home Secretary at the time, Leon Britton, that it had been determined a life sentence means life and he would not be released. He disputed this decision in 2008 at the High Court, with the solicitors arguing that a whole life tariff was a breach of his human rights. Once again the decision was upheld and Arthur Hutchinson remained behind bars. In July 2013, aged 73, he was the first Briton with a full life sentence to challenge his term at the European Court of Human Rights in Strasbourg. He claimed that a whole life order was inhumane and degrading treatment as he had no hope of release. Dominic Raab, an MP for Isher and Walton at the time, was interviewed and believed that Arthur Hutchinson should remain behind bars for the rest of his life. The British courts have deemed that he should serve the rest of his life in jail. I agree, I think most of the public will. And instead, because of a perverse ruling in Strasbourg at the European Court, there is a real risk that he'll be set loose uh, on the streets. And I think that's morally wrong. I think it's dangerous. And I think Parliament should say no. Janet Crow, an employee of the Prison Reform Trust, also spoke to reporters, but explained that without the possibility of parole, prisoners would be more dangerous. If a prisoner has no hope and they feel that they have nothing to lose because they can't have a review of their sentence at, say, the 25-year point, it may make them far more dangerous to work with inside the prison. We believe that it's very important for whole life um, prisoners, and indeed anybody who's on a life sentence, to at least be allowed the opportunity to present their case to the parole board at that point for their sentence to be reviewed. A senior detective who worked on the case was shocked that Arthur Hutchinson might be released given the nature of his crimes. Unless there is an absolute certainty that he's incapable of ever committing offences of this nature again, he ought never to be allowed out of jail. He, he's a man that didn't understand the meaning of right and wrong. Uh, he was a psychopath and psychopaths don't understand when they're committing things that are wrong. Uh, and he was a, a, an extremely dangerous man and I don't see that he will have changed in his general outlook on life.
After a long legal process in January 2017, the European Human Rights Judges confirmed the right of the British courts to impose life-must-mean-life sentences in the most heinous cases of murder. There are exceptional circumstances where a court would release someone detained on a whole-life order. These rare cases would only be considered if the prisoner had weeks to live. Other extenuating circumstances could also be reviewed in the British courts. Arthur Hutchinson still remains in prison. Thank you for listening and special thanks to our Patreon supporters. For more information, please visit theywalkamonguspodcast.com. This has been the penultimate episode of Season 2. To help support They Walk Among Us, please consider donating at patreon.com forward slash They Walk Among Us, where you'll receive early access to ad-free episodes for just $3 a month. If you enjoyed the show, please also consider leaving a review on Apple Podcasts or your favourite podcast provider. You can follow us on Twitter at TWAU underscore podcast or follow us on Instagram and Facebook under They Walk Among Us podcast. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.